Welcome back to middle school. It's a zoo out there, so just be cool. Don't speak too loud, try to fit in. But if you don't, then you can be in outfit everyone and welcome to the Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. I'm your host Marissa Cantor and back with me as always is Sam Chung. Hello, Um, it's great to be back once again, middle of July, very warm. Anytime it's under 80 degrees, it's way too cold. Sometimes I wonder about our long-term compatibility because we thrive in completely different climates. I'm hot, you're cold. <laughs> yes, you're no. See, my my peak temperature range is like anywhere between 60 and 75. Oh, too chilly. No, perfect. <laughs> I like a cool breeze, but sun. No, it needs to be anywhere from, I guess, 75 to 85. No. That way you can just get a nice glisten. Uh, how was your week, Sam? My week was good. I watched the uh, Hulu original film Palm Springs starring Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti. And I was a fan, you know, it was a new version of Groundhog Day. And, you know, Groundhog Day, maybe this is a hot take, but I feel like Groundhog Day is overrated. But, you know, I liked that this movie was very self-aware. I like a good self-aware movie. We watched the movie together Uh (laughs) and I enjoyed it too. I I mean, you can't go wrong with Andy Samberg and J.K. Simmons. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot J.K. Simmons. Yeah, J.K. Simmons in that movie. Love everything J.K. Simmons does, including all of his State Farm commercials. I'm just into <laughs> all of it. Yeah, I, I, I do think that this was a fresh take on a tried and true trope. We have seen a lot of this. Do you want to hear my J.K. Simmons impression? I would love to hear your J.K. Simmons impression. That's why you should have had State Farm. That was really bad. <laughs> that wasn't even close. You would do a better J.K. Simmons and Whiplash, I think. I, I'm not looking to. I'm not looking to throw my vocal, <laughs> like throw out my voice today. Okay, well that was a bad impression. I well, uh, you know, agree to disagree. <laughs> Marissa, how was your week? It was good. I finally forced you to start watching Schitt's Creek with me. I'm very excited. This was a long time coming. Yeah, I skipped season one. I couldn't really get into season one when you started watching it, so I just started at season two. But it's fun. It's a fun show. We are currently, we just started season three. A lot of shows have rough season ones, you know, that you can just skip. Well, that's why I was really, like, getting frustrated that you didn't want to watch it with me because a lot of your favorite shows have rough season ones. The Office, rough season one. Parks and Rec, rough season one. That's why I skipped season one. Yeah, but now you're asking me questions like, was Ted always here? And the answer is yes, you just missed him. Well, that's why you watched season one, so you <laughs> could answer all my questions. I just think that, you know, it, it, it does take a beat to get into, but by the end of season two, 
I was fully invested. I was like, I get it. And I am just excited for all the joy to come. It feels like from everything I've heard, it's like a really, it's a show that when you finish, you wish you could watch it again for the first time. So I'm trying to like savor it. Okay. That's what like all of my friends who love, 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 love this show have told me. Like they're excited that I get to experience it for the first time. But your friends are also the same people who told you that we should watch the Korean drama. Uh, crash Landing on You? Yeah, crash, crash Landing on You. We don't need to get into Crash Landing on You. And those weren't friends so much as like mutuals on Twitter. Like I kept seeing it pop up a lot on Twitter. Okay. Well, Crash Landing on You reminded me a little bit of this episode of Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> That we're going to talk about today because sometimes, most of the time, Lizzie McGuire is grounded in a reality that is familiar to all of us. But sometimes something will happen in the world of Lizzie McGuire that just makes you think, is this happening on planet Earth? Yes. And that sums up episode 122, untitled Stan Jensen Project. I think that's it. I think cut podcast over. We did it. <laughs> success we can all go home which yeah. is where we are right now i think that it for me though this is like a fun kind of bizarre like i think i'm gonna have a lot of fun talking about this episode i don't know that i can say the same but we can <laughs> okay let's get into yeah, it we can we can okay in this episode a famous director arrives at school and picks gordo to star in his documentary but he wants gordo to be confrontational and this upsets his friends so Gordo must choose between friends or fame. This episode aired on September 21st, 2001. So Stan Jensen, fictional director, not a real person. Yeah, so it's kind of odd to have the title of this episode be what it is. If I could title this episode, it would be Gordo is insufferable yet again. <laughs> I feel like that's what you would name most episodes. It's true. Gordo just, I don't know, he just does not do it for me. And it's weird, too, because as I think I've mentioned before, I remember having very strong, positive feelings about Gordo as a kid. Yeah, you, when we first started this podcast, you had only good things to say about Gordo. Wasn't watching it with a critical lens when I was eight years old, I'm sorry to say. You were very pro-Gordo. You were on whatever train Gordo was driving, <laughs> you were on that train. Also, I think a big thing for me, and, like, it doesn't really come into play that much. It comes up more in season two, but Gordo is Jewish, and, like, he's one of the first Jewish characters I think I ever saw on TV. So I think that there is a bit of, like, that coming into play with me in terms of representation. But, yeah, I, I think I just must have, like, blacked out all of the jerky things he does. So here, you know, we have gotten a lot of lead up to this episode in Gordo's directorial dreams. It's very much a part of who he is. It feels like all of that buildup just led us to this moment. Yeah, so this was really weird. So we get to school and there's a film crew walking around and they want to make a documentary about the middle school experience. Junior high, as they say. Yeah. Just about life in junior high. Yeah, it's, it, there's no context for why they're doing this or what the selection process was or I, I don't, what the goal if, even is, you know? Of all the junior highs in the country, 
this is the one. I know. And it's not even like anything exciting happened to this middle school. Okay, question. Because they refer to their school as a junior high, we refer to that school as a middle school. Is there an actual difference between a junior high and middle school? Or is it just like the time of the time? Like that's what it was called. I think my mom- I think it's a little bit of the time, but from what I understand, junior high is like only seventh and eighth grade. Because when my mom went to junior high, elementary school was was first grade through sixth grade. And then junior high was just seventh and eighth grade. Yeah, my mom too. Well, yeah. So the Stan Jansen wants to make a documentary about their life. Are we thinking Stan Jensen is like an Ava DuVernay? Like how well known do you think that he is in the documentary world? Not Ava DuVernay level, please. Well, that was just an example. Like uh, if Ken Burns, you know, like is he upper tier uh, documentarian or is he sort of like aspiring documentarian? Like, Look at his project and you tell me. He's literally trying to bait children into fighting with each other. I don't think that he is of the upper echelon of documentarians. To be a documentarian, it's like to make a documentary, you, you the whole purpose is to tell the truth, right? To uncover something or expose something or just to really like let the story unfold naturally right like you're not supposed it's not supposed to be contrived he's not he's not making a documentary he's making reality tv he really is he is he is actually a pioneer of reality television right that that's what's actually happening like this is like um this is like the real world That's what he's going for, you know? That's that's what this is. This yeah. isn't this isn't a documentary. It's the real world New York slash LA we haven't decided yet. <laughs> I'm firmly um New Jersey. Real world real world Jersey. Yeah, this isn't a documentary. This is the real world. Hillridge Junior High. It is. It's a documentary with no point and this will become clear very rapidly. Yes. Lizzie and Miranda think that this is so cool and this should be right up Gordo's alley too, right? This is everything in the universe of the show. This is everything he wants. He wants to be a future filmmaker. He should be psyched that a fil- an actual filmmaker is there. But of course, Gordo has to be contrary. And he says that It's not going to be real, and it's going to be just like every other half-baked junior high doc, because there are so many junior high docs. Like, what is Gordo talking about? I don't know. Gordo thinks that for some reason, they will focus solely on Kate and Ethan, and for that reason, it will be the same as every other documentary. But I don't know why he thinks that, because as soon as the documentary crew arrives, everybody just starts going bananas. Yeah. It's the same, and it's also the same thing that he did when he was on the news when <laughs> you're when right. Lizzie you're saved, so right. When Lizzie saved that person from choking, he acted like an idiot. Now he's like, look at all these idiots. Like, dude, check yourself. <laughs> yeah, everyone's jumping around, acting like quote unquote zoo animals. Yeah, don't act holier than thou. Yeah, you are no better. But yeah, Gordo doesn't want to be in front of the camera. He wants to be behind the camera. And look at these people. They're acting like total zoo animals. How 
how is anyone going to act natural? How is this going to seem real? Yeah, you think this would have been part of the scouting process when they were thinking about, hey, where will we put on this documentary? Oh, at this middle school, everybody is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't really seem like much scouting was involved. Not really. At one point, Lizzie says that she wants to provide a full frontal fashion assault, which seems like a questionable (laughs) thing to say. (laughs) No. That's bold. Like, you should stop. (laughs) You should stop before you do full frontal anything. Yes. And while Gordo is ranting, the one and only Stan Jansen focuses in on him and is like, you! You! (laughs) It's like an Uncle Sam poster. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He loves Gordo. He thinks that Gordo is unique and refreshing and the angst is honest. He's going to keep his eye on him. And Gordo is kind of taken aback and says that he wants to be a director someday. And Stan is kind of like, don't worry, kid. You'll be directing in no time. And Lizzie and Miranda are like, Gordo, how did you do that? How did you get his attention? And the answer is he was the only normal person in a sea of weirdos. That, that is really the answer. And Lizzie calls Gordo the King Kong of this monkey house. And then one of the most terrifying animated elements of the entire series. Oh, my God. This was so out of left field. I did not expect it. Like, Lizzie McGuire has a very defined (laughs) animation style. It is hand-drawn 2D animation. But for some reason, in this episode, the animators were like, you know what we're going to try today? Maybe they just had seen Toy Story. I don't know. They were like, we're going to try 3D animation today. And so this random hand, (laughs) (laughs) this random disembodied hand appears on the screen. Well, it's King Kong's hand. Grabs Cartoon Lizzie and then just starts carrying her away. It was so out of place. And she's not, she's not weirded out by it at all. It was so jarring. for the ride. It was very jarring. Yeah. I did not, I did not like it. A natural place to cut to theme song. And then we are at the McGuire house as we typically are after the theme song. And Lizzie is assessing her outfit and says, declares rather, to her entire family who is in the kitchen eating breakfast that she needs to change. Sam says, honey, we like you the way you are. This one line almost earned Sam McGuire an MVP from me this episode. <laughs> really? I felt like it was very heartfelt, but also very dad joke. The options were very slim, um, once again, in this episode for me. But ultimately, Sam McGuire, spoiler alert, will not be my MVP this episode, despite that good line. Yeah, it was a good line. Yeah, Sam McGuire had quite a diverse, like, The range. range. Yeah, the range of <laughs> things to do in this episode. We saw... The dad joke. We saw the tears. We saw the anger. He was just all over the map today. A truly dramatic performance. Coolio, yes. <laughs> back to the plot. We kind of lose the plot sometimes when it comes to <laughs> Sam McGuire. But back to the plot. Are pl- you talking about you and me? Yes. Oh, or the sh- I was like, are you talking about you and me or the show? I mean, both. <laughs> but we tend to go off on Sam-related tangents. Yeah. Anyways, the plot. Lizzie is, you know, all dolled up for school, and she needs to find the perfect outfit to stand out for this documentary thing. Lizzie is really of the mindset that being featured in this film is less about who she is and more about what she wears. 
She needs to wear the most sparkly thing she owns. Yeah. Stand out on camera. This seems to be the philosophy that everybody ends up taking. Right. They're like, how sparkly can I get? Totally. (laughs) And Joe says that if those people don't think Lizzie stands out, they need glasses. And then we get the intro to the map plot of the episode, which is a bit of a doozy, I must say. We are introduced to Melina, and Melina is a recurring character, so much so that she has a pretty significant role in the Lizzie McGuire movie as well. Wow. Even even Lelaine didn't make it to the movie, right? Lelaine did not make it to the movie. Wow. But Melina does. Good for her. Okay, so I'll just get into what happens, and then we can talk about it. So Matt has to stay after school today, and it's because Melina put a rubber snake in the teacher's desk and made it look like Matt did it. And Matt's not mad about it. It's a basic prank, but the execution was flawless, and he really likes her prank style. Yeah, Matt. Game respects game. Matt is a little smitten. He is. He is a smitten kitten. To which Joe is like, can you please explain our children to me? Like, what is happening? What? He has a crush. Everybody's crushes are just getting thrown into the open this episode. It's true. Spoilers. And yes, so Matt detention because Melina. We'll just leave it at that. We'll get more into it as we go along. So now we are at Lizzie's school. And once again, everyone is crowding in front of the camera, just acting. Yes, they actually are acting like animals. Like that is an apt description of what is happening. Yeah, it gets progressively worse as well as the episode goes on. Lizzie and Miranda meet each other at their lockers and tell each other that their outfits rock. Gordo appears, and I think it's important to note that Gordo has not changed his aesthetic at all. He's in his same Gordo look, and Stan is like, there's our leading man. Then we get a curious line that I want to take a minute to unpack, where animated Lizzie says, a leading man is tall, dark, and handsome. I guess one out of three isn't so bad. (laughs) Which one, Sam? Which one? Definitely tall. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. It's tall. Yeah. Gordo is tall and not dark or handsome. No, but seriously, Sam, good joke. But I'm being very serious about this. Gordo is not tall. He is not dark. I think that Lizzie still has that fourth grade crush. It's too bad that Gordo and Miranda. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to go back to a moment before this, actually, when Stan uh, Stan Jensen comes up and he's like, there's my leading man. It's like, how did you not have a leading man going into this documentary? How did you just appear somewhere and then identify a leading man and be like, that's who we're going with? That doesn't bother me all that much. But again, probably should have gone into the scouting phase before. And they would have all needed to sign release forms, no? Yeah, I kept wondering where any semblance of an adult other than Stan Jansen is. Like, where are teachers? Where are... And, like, are they just not going to classes these days? Like, what is happening at this school? I have no idea. It's, like, total anarchy. And then it's, like... I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Then they start following Gordo around outside Outside. of school, which is just weird. Yeah, I noted that too. All right. Not okay. I don't want to get too far ahead. But um, yeah, I would say that 
it does seem like Lizzie is still harboring a little bit of a crush on Gordo. Yes. I think she, I think it's a handsome is the one out of three. But for now, Gordo's our leading man. Stan is ready to, to get some material. And at first, he's very, our doc is about real life. And then it's like this awkward conversation starts between Gordo and Lizzie and Miranda. Just like, hey, hey, what's going on? Whatever. And then Stan is like, cut, scratch that. Didn't mean a word of what I just said. We need conflict. And this is where, like I said, it's not a documentary. It's a re- it becomes a reality show. Stan wants more of the shoot from the hip rebel without a cause attitude he saw from Gordo yesterday. And at that very moment, Kate appears. And I think we should just play the clip. Hi, Gordo. Will you walk me to class? Why, did you forget how to get there? (laughs) But Gordo, you always walk me to class. Not only do I not walk you to class, but I don't speak to you. Because I don't like you. You're a stuck-up snob who thinks that because she's a cheerleader, she's better than everyone else. Bye-bye, Gordo. It was nice knowing you. <laughs> Gordo. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Gordo! He's alive! Yeah, Gordo really rips into Kate there. Yeah. <laughs> I feel a little bit bad for Kate because we haven't seen her in, in like five episodes and this is her return to, to the show, and she just gets, like, chewed out. Yeah, like, totally eviscerated. I have to say that her look is quite a look. I do vividly remember owning a pair of sunglasses like Kate's sunglasses in this scene. Well, we have so many outfits to talk about in this, ep- okay, okay, uh, in I'm this sorry. episode. We can, we can circle back. Okay, more on that to come. So, yeah, Gordo really just goes for it. And, again, I feel like a lot of the times with Kate's character – the show kind of sets it up as whenever any of our main characters are mean to Kate, she deserves it. <laughs> I know. And the irony is that Kate is doing like the same thing that like Lizzie and Miranda want to do. They're they're all the same person, right? They're all incredibly narcissistic. <laughs> but, you know, Lizzie and Miranda refuse to see the parts of Kate that are like that they themselves also emulate it's true like and it's all about framing right like they all exhibit so many of the same qualities but we're supposed to be sympathetic to lizzie and miranda and kate is supposed to be the antagonist but really they are they're what two sides of the same coin is that the expression i was going for i think it was i think it was yeah so i just did not love this return for kate and i mean in all fairness Lizzie and Miranda do say that he was kind of mean here. And Gordo was like, I wasn't mean. I was just telling it like it is. And that becomes his justification for the rest of the episode is that anything that comes out of his mouth is just honesty and him telling it like he is. Yeah, he's just like Joan Rivers, you know? Right. He just tells it like it is. Mm -hmm. If it's mean, it's fine because it's truthful. And then he, you know, walks off... The camera follows him, and he just kind of leaves Lizzie and Miranda behind. Yeah. Um, Stan Jensen loves this. Love it. Love it. So yeah. good. This is this is the, the start of a downward trajectory for Gordo. Yeah. He falls so far so fast. But do we blame Gordo for this, or do we blame Stan Jensen? I mean, Gordo is always somewhat insufferable, right? And we have seen 
the condescension come out in his character many times. But at the same time, a full-grown adult is encouraging children to bully each other. So, like, that's pretty bad. <laughs> he is encouraging them to bully each other. That's the perfect way to put that. Yeah, it's, it's not great. It's pretty problematic, actually. From here, we cut back to the Matt and Melina romance, dare I say. A budding romance. A budding romance. They're at the McGuire house, and Matt is clearly trying to impress Melina, but it's not really working until she sees the gnome on the kitchen table, one of Sam McGuire's garden gnomes. And the gnome is back. Matt's like, do you want to go see my video game? And Melina's like, sure, go set it up and I'll meet you there, which is immediately suspicious. Like, how does Matt not see this coming? Regardless, he leaves her alone and goes to set up the video game, at which point she decides that she's going to draw, and I'm a fan of this, she draws a mustache and a goatee onto the gnome over its existing mustache and goatee. I liked it. (laughs) You forgot to mention that Matt goes to pick up the gnome before this, and it's the paint is still wet. So Matt now has paint on his hand. Oh, yeah. Um, Melina is actually, like, the master of this at, like, <laughs> giving Matt something or, like, forcing Matt to look guilty. This is her This is her specialty. Yeah, she's really impressive. Yeah. She really, like, her ability to, like, see two steps ahead and, like, plan <laughs> everything out. I'm also impressed by Melina. <laughs> it's kind of terrifying. I know. Like I think Matt. Ten. I I was gonna say Matt has met his equal, but I think Matt might be outmatched. But anyways, Sam and Joe find the gnome, and they're very, very, or maybe not Joe. Sam is very, very upset. <laughs> he is. Yeah, he is not okay. And someone needs to confess right now. Matt's like, wasn't me, and Melina's like, I was with Matt the whole time, which Matt knows is not true. But then she's like, I'm not the one with pain on my hands. Totally framed him. And then Matt says, okay, it'll be easier if we just admit to both doing it together. And Melina says, okay. And then on the count of three, Matt says, I did it. And Melina says, Matt did it. I was very impressed with this. This is a, a representation of a very common economics problem, the prisoner's dilemma in Lizzie McGuire circa 2001. I was very impressed with how they just threw that into a children's show. (laughs) Sam says that Matt is grounded for a very long time. Came (laughs) for the gnome. And then he starts to cry. He does start to cry. There's that range that we were talking about. But Matt is still, you know, he's still, I guess smitten is the age appropriate word for what Matt is. And he calls Melina an artist. And then we cut to a scene that is our classic three-way phone call. Lizzie and Miranda are asking Gordo all these questions about, you know, what is it like to be followed around by cameras? And Gordo's like, oh, not gonna lie, it's pretty cool. Lizzie and Miranda want to get on camera themselves. And Gordo goes, I cannot stand for preferential treatment. And they're like, But the whole point of being the lead is that you get to ask for preferential treatment. Yeah, I mean, Gordo just met Stan, and Stan is really opening a lot of doors for Gordo, so, you know, he can't can't take advantage of that. He needs to play his hand right so that he can one day also be a director like Stan Jensen. 
Yes, because this is how you become a director. You star in a half-baked documentary with no plot. And Lizzie and Miranda, they want tips from Gordo. Now that Gordo's made it, they're like, well, how can we get on camera? And so Gordo tells them basically that their personalities have to stand out, not just their clothes. And this is like a light bulb moment. They're like, wait, so to be in this in this film, we just have to be ourselves? I guess, yeah, myself. Like, you have to be interesting, you know? Like, you can't just move yourself. I don't know. Like We have to have personalities you do you have to be more than a moving set of shiny clothes (laughs) and then i thought i thought miranda's little monologue here that no one listened to is pretty good i didn't i didn't write it down word for word but it was along the lines of be myself i've been me my whole life for 13 years who better to play me than me i mean that's very true no one is better at playing her than her yes Gordo's going to ask, but they should try to stand out more with what they have to say um, and tell the truth like he does. So then we cut to school the next day, and now Stan is, you know, looking for more drama, conflict, as he likes to call it. So much drama. Good one. And he sets up Gordo to go create conflict, a.k.a. bully Larry Tudgman. Yeah, I felt bad for Larry. This was not great. Come this on, was really, Gordo. This was really upsetting. This is like, re- like real low-hanging fruit. Like, I hope you feel good about yourself, Gordo. I know. It's like you are like, you know, there's a very thin line between David Gordon and Larry Tudgman. <laughs> and it's a slow bicycle race. And it's a slow bicycle race. <laughs> Gordo asks Larry, um, how would he describe himself? And Larry says... He would describe himself like a Captain Kirk or a James Bond type of guy. And everybody acts like this is, like, ridiculous. But can I remind everybody that Lizzie McGuire compares herself to Britney Spears and Gwyneth Paltrow. So Regularly. <laughs> regularly. <laughs> so what materially is the difference between Larry's comparison and Lizzie's comparison? Lizzie is the protagonist. <laughs> because both. And Larry is supposed to be the butt of a joke. Because both are inherently narcissistic points of view. Like you said, they're all the same. It's just a matter of perspective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And whose side we're supposed to be on. It's so true. And then, yeah, from there, Gordo just really, like, rips into Tudgman. And it's honestly, like, it's it's cruel. Like, it's just... But it starts off as something that we have also said, which is, why do you always wear the same shirt? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and he's like, yeah, there's this thing called personal hygiene. And then from there, there's right, no... I guess dr- that's where it's different. Because we assume that he just has a closet full of the same exact shirt. Right. That it is the same shirt that he wears day after day. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we don't mind that it's the same shirt, but we're just like... Why? On an Outfit Repeaters podcast, if you repeat your outfit, we got to point it out. Right. As I- we'll point out with Miranda later on. Yeah, I've always been of the mind that it's the Steve Jobs approach, right? Like, you wear the same thing every day. It opens your mind up more. Yeah, the Elizabeth Holmes approach. <laughs> yeah, a much, um, a similar but much darker path. I, <laughs> I like that path more. Larry Tudgman on the path to becoming Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, Yeah. But yeah, then it sort of, um, it takes a turn and there's no correlation between where we start and where we go because then out of left field, Gordo just calls Larry a geek. You're a geek, Larry. 
And Larry just starts kind of like flailing at that point. And he says he's not a geek. And his mom says people just tell him that because they're jealous. And it's very sad. It is very sad. Larry is bullied. He is bullied. And it's all because of Stan Jansen. And Gordo. And Gordo. And malleable Gordo. Luckily, though, Lizzie and Miranda see this. And Lizzie is no stranger to standing up to bullies. Yeah, and I mean, they call him out here. They say that he's just being mean. And once again, Gordo takes the same defense that he's just telling it like it is. And then this is where everything starts to unravel between the three of them because Gordo is still playing into creating conflict and everything just falls apart. And like, yeah, let's play this clip too. Let's play a second clip. Gordo, I think you're a little harsh to judge me. I would even go mean. I was just giving Stan conflict. Conflict? I think conflict is when my nail polish doesn't match my outfit. So uh, tell me about your friends. Uh, my friends? Yeah, how long have you known each other? Well, we've known each other for a very long time. Forever. Yeah, forever. Best friends. Yeah, we tell each other anything. Oh, and we keep each other's secrets. Secrets? What secrets? Oh, nothing. <laughs> you guys are keeping stuff from me? Like what? Oh, like when Lizzie was in the fourth grade, she had a crush on you. <laughs> you did? She did? <sighs> what else? Nothing, nothing else. I cannot believe you just said that. I'm sorry, it was a mistake. Gordo tricked me. I didn't trick you. Well, uh, Lizzie, is there something you'd like to share about Miranda? Share? Friends always share. Yeah, actually there is. In the fourth grade, she used to come home and snack on doggy biscuits. <gasps> oh, sorry, it was a mistake. Uh, I thought you were my friend. I thought you were mine. Yeah, but I didn't do it on purpose. It was a mistake, unlike you. Yeah, my only mistake was telling you anything. <sighs> that was great. You have quite a future ahead of you, kid. Did you guys hear? Stan thinks I have quite a future ahead of me. Uh, Dirk? Well, can I just say, in Gordo's defense, and I'm not a Gordo apologist, as some people have labeled me in the past, but Gordo didn't even do that much. It seemed like they just were willing to spill out these secrets. Like, they just were just, they just wanted so badly to blurt out these secrets. I don't think Gordo did that much. But they're like, Gordo, you tricked me. What kind of Jedi mind trick did you do? Well, no, because he's like, secrets? You guys are keeping secrets? What secrets? Yeah, and then they're like, oh... Well, this secret, this secret, this secret, and this secret. Miranda spills first. Miranda, <laughs> Miranda does spill first. I would like to highlight a small moment where Miranda reveals that Lizzie had a crush on Gordo in fourth grade. And then Gordo go, exclaims, she did? And then he looks at Lizzie and goes, you did? Mm. I'm raising my eyebrows profusely right now. So, yeah, now no one's happy with Gordo. No, no one's really happy with anybody. Lizzie covers her face in embarrassment because, remember, literally 10 minutes ago, she kind of called Gordo handsome. No, she called him tall. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, now he knows that there were once feelings there when she was nine. Yeah, I don't know. What was your take on this? My take is that, oh, how quickly they unravel I think that Gordo provoked it. I do agree that they did have loose lips and were all too willing to spill, but yeah, I mean, it was, sure, Gordo it was pro- under his provocation. Gordo provoked it, but it like didn't take much. And like everybody in the background is still acting banana pants. 
Look at all these. It's like someone wearing a bike helmet. Safety first. A, a feather boa, um, a cheetah top hat. There's like just a lot going on in the background. It's like when you have a photo booth and there's a bunch of props and everybody's oh, yeah, that's like, a good way to put it. And everybody's like, here, pick up a prop. That's a good way to put it. I agree with that. Anyways. Anyways. So now we are back to the Matt and Mel of it all. That's what I call them in my notes. M and M, if you will. And there is this sort of montage of them setting each other up and getting each other in trouble. Melina draws a picture of the an unflattering picture of their teacher and puts it on Matt's desk, framing him so he gets sent to the office. Then to get her back, Matt does like the spitball thing through a straw and hits the teacher and then puts the straw on Melina's desk. So they're just being, you know, childish pranksters. They are. Um, Melina ends up tripping a bully at one point and then blaming it on Matt. At that point, okay, like, is this actually an abusive relationship? Yeah, no, it's a little bit abusive, definitely. Um, But it's not, like, directly abusive. It's like (laughs) Melina wants somebody else to do her dirty work, I guess. But it's also, like, it's not so much doing the dirty work... It is at first, but then it's, like, actually, like, getting Matt set up to potentially be hurt. Yeah. That's not, that's, like, too far. Matt likes it, though. Just weird. <laughs> and so, yeah, I have, I have lots of questions about them. We cut back to Lizzie's house, and Lizzie is studying alone, and Joe is, like, immediately suspicious. Is Lizzie never alone? Yeah, Lizzie's the most codependent person. You are not with your friends. What is wrong? immediately Joe susses out that there's been some sort her like her radar goes off. She's like, there's been a fight between my child and her two best friends who are also kind of my proxy children. Lizzie again, loose lips just spills it all. She thought the whole doc thing would be cool, but it's not. And now she's in a fight with Miranda because they told each other secrets to the camera. And Joe's like, that doesn't sound like you and Miranda. And then Lizzie's like, Gordo started it. And Joe's like, that doesn't sound like Gordo. It's like, it kind of does sound Yeah, it kind of like does. But Joe's big lesson here is that the camera does strange things to people and that the documentary crew is going to be gone in a week, but her friends will still be there. Or will they? What did the camera do to you, Joe McGuire? Joe has a checkered past. <laughs> I would love to know. I wanted a story that directly like correlated to this story about Joe's past, much like the car one we got. We used to get fun backstories. Now we just get platitudes, and I don't like it. I know. I expected more. Nana went to Vegas one time. Yeah. <laughs> what have you done, Joe McGuire? Yeah. And that is why Joe McGuire is not my MVP of this episode. Okay, okay. We're getting down to it. Oh, and also to note in this scene is, so Joe thinks that Lizzie should talk to them off camera, and gets Lizzie to basically spill her secret that she had a crush on Gordo in fourth grade, to which Joe replies, I knew it. I guess your love was pretty obvious, I guess, I mean, she's not good at hiding things, as we've well established. And so now we are back at school. Lizzie and Miranda apologize to each other, and then they witness now, okay, Gordo, he goes for Kate. He goes for Larry. Now... He goes for Ethan Kraft. This is the final straw. You do not go for <laughs> Ethan Kraft. Lizzie and Miranda are like, no, 
And he like, what does he say to Ethan? Something about his hair? Yeah, it's just like, what's up with your hair or something? And, and Gordo's <laughs> like, I mean, and, and Ethan's like, bro, why you got to be like that? Yeah. And he, it's true. He doesn't take the bait. No, he doesn't. Yeah, it's like, no. Good job, Ethan. He's like, Gordon, you fool. Ethan Kraft, the unproblematic fave, except when he is objectifying cheerleaders. <laughs> and then it's a little problematic. Yeah. But yeah, Lizzie and Miranda confront Gordo again. A little bit repetitive, but this time they tell him he's being very mean. He's not being himself. He's being manipulated by Stan Jensen. Yeah, you're right. It is very repetitive. Basically, this episode is all about them saying the same things to Gordo over and over and over until it finally clicks. It's just like, you're right. It, it is very repetitive in the structure, but like escalates a little more each time. It is. Um, and then Lizzie and Miranda storm off. And I don't know if you caught this, but they their, their exit strategy is going into the girls' restroom, which I thought was great because it's like the ultimate rejection. I mean, Gordo could have followed them if he really wanted to. But he did not. But he did not. And then we're at the Digital Bean, our final scene, our climactic scene. A lot happens very quickly to both reach the climax of the story and wrap up the story. Really fast-paced here. So, and everybody comes together in this moment. The two storylines collide. And I enjoyed that. That's what I like to see. I like when it feels intentional, um, sometimes Lizzie and Matt's stories feel so far removed from each other. And I liked that it came together here. I, I also liked that it came together. It was a little forced, but you know, you have to take what you can get. Exactly. I totally agree. And so we're at the Digital Bean. As you mentioned earlier, Stan is still following Gordo around after school, which is whack. Like why? Where are Gordo's parents? I don't know. His parents are therapists. Like they are like... I myself think a lot about the, the, the psychological effects of children who are on television, especially in these like reality roles. You would think that Gordo's parents would be a little, a little leery of this, a little be like, what's going on? So Gordo meets up with Lizzie and Miranda at the cafe, but they don't want to talk to him on camera. They'll only talk to him off camera. Yes. So they really shut it down, and now Gordo has had enough. He wants the camera to go away. Gifable moment. It was a gifable moment. He literally writes go away on a piece of notebook paper and holds it up to the camera. And at this point, Melina and Matt show up, and Matt, you know, for as much as he is a prankster, he is also, like, a tiny bit, he has a tiny bit of rule following in him because he's grounded and he does listen to his parents and he knows he shouldn't be there. Doesn't stop him from being there. Well, but that was the first time I think I saw a little bit of like hesitation in his character. I mean, I think he doesn't want to get punished further. Right. It's a very low bar to get caught. I feel like, you know, like there's a very high chance that his cover will be blown. Correct. Um, and Melina promises to lay low. Now, why Matt believes a word that ever comes out of Melina's mouth is beyond me at this point. And we, of course, are cued in as the audience that she's absolutely not going to lay low. Flashback to Gordo, just sort of lashing out at the camera, saying things like, this whole doc is a joke, this isn't real, I was encouraged by the director to act the way I am, and he's done. He storms off, stands like, what the heck, kid? 
I can't use any of this. And Gordo's like, that's the point. <laughs> that was so weird. That was just such a weird thing that happened. I just don't even know what to say about it. Yeah. And then Lizzie and Miranda clap and are like, that's the Gordo we know. So Stan follows Gordon, uh, Gordo as he walks away, leaving his camera behind on a random table at the Weird Cafe, which is an opening for our new queen of pranking, Melina. Now, as a filmmaker, you do not leave your equipment laying around ever. That's like rule 101. That is rule 101. I would also say that most likely, as the director, Stan Jensen would not be the person with the camera. Right. I was, I, I was going to get to that. That the whole, the whole structure of his, the film crew is wrong. You have a cinematographer, a director of photography, if you will. Correct. A DP. Regardless, though, Melina decides at this point that she's going to put ketchup all over the camera, which I watched in physical pain. This physically pained me. <laughs> it hurt. It's just such a waste. I know. I, hope, I really hope that was like a prop, like a plastic camera. It probably was. I really hope so. I mean, look at the budget for this show. I mean, they went all out in this episode. Did you not see the King Kong hand? The 3D. <laughs> they, they really went for it, you know? Which they found some extra cash and they were like, we're spending it on a King Kong hand, not a a real camera. But yeah, she squirts ketchup all over the camera and tells Matt that she needs ketchup, thereby framing him once again for this crime. Yes. Which leads into the strangest action sequence I think I've ever seen. We get all sorts of insight into the layout of the weird cafe. Would you like to talk about it? Well, I mean, I don't think there's much to talk about. It's like Stan Jensen sees Matt holding a thing of ketchup. And again, in a similar moment to the beginning, he's like, you. Yeah. (laughs) How we've come full circle. And then they start to chase each other. Or I guess Stan Jensen starts to chase Matt through the cafe. I don't know what he's planning on doing once he catches Matt. Then it would be a little weird, right? Because now he's just like, like, is he going to beat up a child? Strong arming a child. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyways, he they're, ch- they're having like a Tom and Jerry chase around the cafe until Matt eventually runs out of ketchup as his weapon, at which point he jumps behind the counter and Stan Jensen picks up like a, a water, like a nozzle for water, and he starts to spray Matt McGuire <laughs> with it, but it's the weakest nozzle I think I've ever seen. It's just like... It's just like, it's just like dripping, basically. It has no water pressure behind it. Yeah, it's like when, it's like a water bubbler, right? Yeah. It's like when you press the button and it just like loops up (laughs) instead of actually going high enough to reach your mouth. But then in a throwback to, what is it, Sibling Bonds? Was that the episode? Gordo is like, Matt, catch. And we get a slow motion catch up thrown through the air. And Matt catches it. And squirts it right into Stan Jensen's face. Concurrently, Lizzie and Miranda have gotten hold of ice cream and have put it all over the floor. And so Stan Jensen takes one step and just totally slides and falls onto his back. And Gordo puts a cherry on his face. The cherry on top it was, of a dream it, action sequence. It was so bizarre. This can't have actually happened, right? This it, is all a dream, this it episode. It was wild. And then, so... Stan is, you know, maimed. And then Gordo approaches Lizzie and Miranda. And this was just like the most Gordo thing to ever Gordo. 
he, oh, it just makes me, ugh. He approaches them and he says, you already know what I'm going to say, so do I need to say it? Like he tries to get out of apologizing. Yes, Gordo. <laughs> yes, Gordo, you need to say it. So then he apologizes. After his apology, Stan Jansen gets up. He is very upset and he screams. <laughs> what does he scream, Sam? He says that now there will be no documentary thanks to Mr. Ketchup and that Gordo blew his opportunity. I will now be referring to Matt McGuire as Mr. Ketchup. I love that. (laughs) He is Matt of many names. Matt Man, a.k.a. Mr. Ketchup. (laughs) (laughs) And then the show ends on the note of circling back to the relationships of it all. And Miranda asks Matt if Melina is his girlfriend. And he says, she keeps on tricking me and getting me into trouble. I hope she's my girlfriend. He likes it. And then Gordo once again brings up the crush. He needs more affirmation that Lizzie did in fact have a crush on him. And Lizzie says that she was young. She didn't know any better. Oh, sick burn. And the episode ends on that note. As I said before, this happens in some sort of weird pseudo-alternate universe because everything that happens, there's no way this would actually happen in the world that we live in. You mean a camera crew would not just show up at our middle school and make a documentary about nothing? And then get in a fight with a 10-year-old? <laughs> yeah. It's a little, it's a little, yeah. I mean, I think that if I had to give this episode a rating, I think I would give it like a six out of 10 because I think that, yes, you have to treat it as if it's in an alternate universe, but I expected to have fun talking about it and I did have fun talking about it. Yeah. And I liked how, like I said, the A and the B stories came together at the end. Yeah. I think it's just weird, like, when you put it next to every other Lizzie, not every other, but most other Lizzie McGuire episodes that we've seen so far. Well, this is like in the same category as the Aaron Carter episode, right? It is. Yeah. No, exactly. Like this episode, the Aaron Carter episode, it's like, what is happening? Wait until we get to the Frankie Muniz episode. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, Lizzie and Miranda are so obsessed with like, we need to be on camera. Like you've been on camera. Get over yourself. You were in Aaron Carter's music video. You kissed Aaron Carter. (laughs) Like chill out. (laughs) As you mentioned, we have a lot of outfits to talk about, so shall we? We shall. And let's start with a, th- with a three-peat, a favorite of ours now here on the Outfit Repeaters. Yes, Miranda. Miranda Sanchez. Hat master. Outfit three-peater. Once again, the checkerboard boat hat makes a return. I think we saw the tartan cap come back at some point in this episode, too. And the knitted rainbow. Yeah, her hats, hat her hats have been, you know... She has, a, she has a small collection of hats that make the circuit. This is not my favorite hat look because it totally clashes with the outfit. Um, she's in an otherwise sort of like neutral beige palette. All right. Next, we obviously have to talk about the outfit that Lizzie wears to school the next day. It's like a bright yellow sequin top with, I don't know, like a cheetah print something dress, skirt. It's not cheetah print. It's more of a like psychedelic swirly pattern. And standing next to Miranda, it just looks ridiculous because Miranda's dressed up like she's going to a roller derby. She is. She looks very pop punk. She looks like Avril Lavigne. (laughs) A little bit. Yeah. She's got on a similarly sparkly shirt. That like supposed to be the British flag. Maybe. 
I can't really tell. It kind of just looks like a design, but maybe that's what it is. With like a hot pink long sleeve shirt under it, a purple skirt with tights, like gray tights, but then also um, pink and purple striped knee socks and like high top Converse. It's a, I like Miranda's look here. I mean, it's definitely, these are two very attention grabbing outfits. However, because everybody else is also wearing something similar, it does not stand out at all. Yeah, actually Gordo is the one who stands out by just wearing his regular clothes. And this is something that I noted during the episode as well, but we see director Stan Jensen wearing three watches on one wrist. Why would anybody wear three digital watches on one wrist? It's got to be synced up to every time zone, baby. He's a big deal director. <laughs> got to know what's going on in New York, LA, maybe even Chicago. Maybe Chicago? <laughs> For what reason? Time zones. For some reason in this episode, Matt has decided to dress like... Uh, a Vineyard Vines model. I don't understand. <laughs> that is the perfect description. He gets very preppy. He does. He's wearing like a sweater vest and like an orange button down. I think he's trying to impress Melina. I think and, he's putting his best foot forward. And not only that, but the sweater vest has an identical orange stripe to the orange on his shirt. He is very coordinated for himself. He is. He's really, he's really thought his outfit through today. Also kind of matches Melina's, is that a dress or just a shirt? I think it's a dress. All right. Uh, we talked a little bit about the photo booth element that comes into play in every shot that takes place at the school. But um, like you said, Miranda's hat, her like knitted multicolored hat is also back. And again, not matching the rest of her outfit. What is going on, Miranda? You're falling apart. I have another Miranda look for you, and it's arguably even worse. Oh, yeah, that hat is back, too. This hat is, the tartan hat the is tartan back. The tartan hat is back. Once with again, an, with I feel an like. Orange with shirt. an orange Did she do this last time? And we were yes. like, why are you doing that? No, girl. She's really into wearing orange with this tartan hat yeah. for whatever reason. Sorry, I think I, I, think I might have skipped over Kate. And I know that you wanted to talk about Kate uh, earlier. Did you want to revisit Kate's, Kate's outfit? Oh, all I really have to say about Kate's outfit and he's very on brand for Kate, but I have vivid memories of having that same pair of sunglasses. Got you. Um, the sort of colored lens, completely see-through. Um, that same shape, though, too. I don't even know what you would call that shape. They're very large. Yeah. They're very large sunglasses. Um, Matt, another his he's pulling all the sweater vests out of his closet in this episode. He has a crush. I think this, those are really the main the main outfits. Yeah, I would agree. That we have to talk about today. Cool. cool. And finally, as always, we have to name our MVPs. Sure. Uh, Marissa, who is your MVP? So this is a hard one, right? Like this is not the best episode in terms of, like I'm trying to think who is the hero of this story. And I, I don't know. It's more of a process of elimination, right? Like, who is not the MVP? And we've knocked both of the parents out of contention. Gordo is not the MVP. Miranda's not the MVP. For me, it's really between Lizzie, Matt, and Melina. Those were my final three in consideration as well. I think I know where you are going to go. You know where I'm going to go. Based on the conversation. Okay. I haven't given my MVP to Lizzie in three whole episodes. However, 
I really do think it comes down to like Matt and Melina were the stars of this episode. Wow, I was thinking the same thing. So you have very you have very much piqued my interest. Ooh, okay. So Melina is clearly the prank master. But I think she brings out a softer side in Matt that I have we've never seen before. And I really liked what I saw from Matt here in this episode. But at the same time, oh, see, it's so complicated. Oh, my God, just choose somebody. Well, because, like, there's the line, right, of, like, bullying. I don't know. I'm going to give it to Mr. Ketchup. Matt McGuire. Yeah. Is my MVP. I think that Matt in this episode showed some real vulnerability. I think that we saw a whole new side of his character. I think I need to have a talk with him about just, like, appropriateness of like and like you're kind of having like a sort of Stockholm syndrome thing going on with Melina it's very 50 shades that's like not great but I appreciate it I thought that um his character became a little more dynamic here I thought that his fashion was on point really putting his best foot forward I think that it shows a lot about his character that he was willing to in the case of the gnome like partially take the blame for something that he did not do And I thought that the action sequence at the end was just A-plus content. So So, I'm going to give Matt McGuire my MVP. And I'm just going to make a little... um, I I did this in part because I think that Melina is going to be your MVP. Well, you would be incorrect because I was also going to give my MVP to Mr. Ketchup. Really? I was. Mr. Ketchup was always going to be my MVP. (laughs) For a couple reasons. One is obviously his sweater vest game was on point today. I've been weighting the, the outfits a little bit uh, heavier in my in my more recent MVP selections. So yeah, sweater vest game on point. Catch up to the face of Stan Jensen, the clear antagonist in this episode. Another major point. And then, you know, after demonstrating to another child in a previous episode how to shove yourself into a locker, Matt himself shows how it is done. The master at work shoves himself into a locker to avoid being bullied. So all the all all the above reasons, Matt McGuire, Mr. Ketchup, Matt Man, clear MVP. Yeah. So the reason why I thought you were gonna give it to Melina is because you were so impressed by her prank game. And I thought about giving it to her because she ultimately, even though it is unintentional in a way, is the hero of the story in that she sabotages the documentary i suppose but it's really matt who you know is the one who is forced to deal with the you know the ramifications of what melina has done very similar to the situation with the bully in the hallway but like she ultimately like ruined the camera like there can be which also also i want to like push back on because i don't think that well, I guess maybe. I don't know. It's mm. like the argument where, like, if someone pushes you into a pool, but then you do a really great dive, is it, like, whose fault is it that you did a really great dive, you know? Like, it's not the person who pushed you. Right, but I'm, I'm looking <laughs> at it from the perspective of, like, Gordo ultimately does not want this documentary to get out there, right? Like, he's like, this is all a lie. I don't want to give you any more usable footage. But then Melina actually ensures that none of the footage is usable. I think that the footage would still be usable based on what we saw her do. 
I would agree. Like he's she acting some, like the she camera. She put some ketchup on the lens. Like, like he's acting like the camera is ruined, as if, um, as if they haven't been backing up every day, right? And that that would just like short circuit any sort of, I don't know, like two thousand one, there would still be like, like a memory card would exist, right? It would still, yeah, at that point, it would probably be tape, right? Like you would think that the tape inside would be fine, yeah, plot hole. So yeah, another great episode for Matt McGuire, who is coming right up on Lizzie's tail. He is officially in the number two spot. He is, yeah. I think it makes that that makes sense. I think like they are ultimately the stars of the show, right? Yeah. Each get their own story, so I think it makes sense that as we come to the end of season one that it's shaping up to be the two of them in the lead. I agree. So that is that. That's a wrap on episode 122, the untitled Stan Jensen project. As always, we are online at Outfit Repeat Pod on Twitter, Outfit Repeaters Podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us, DM us questions, anything, comments. We are here. Yep. Uh, you will be able to find all of our episodes at www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfit repeaters. And be sure to tune in next week when we recap episode 123, last year's model. Last year's. This, I'm just looking at the thumbnail now, and it's looking like Lizzie is having another Britney Spears moment. It's more of a Tyra Banks moment. A ty- okay, so <laughs> similar vibe. Yes. Okay.